Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. Okay, so we're going into our next segment, which is our in the trenches segment. And this is where we give real world examples. And we use specific industries to to highlight and contextualize these examples. But they are broad enough that you should be able to apply them to whatever industry you're in. So we're going to get started with that. All right. So our first in the trenches question, what kind of ROI should expect with word of mouth marketing? Is the juice worth the squeeze? One of Anne's favorite expressions is the juice worth the squeeze. <laughs> it's just so telegraphic. I mean, <laughs> I mean, how many people like, sit there and like try to squeeze it? Ju- like when I make my margaritas and I'm trying to do like, well, no, actually Tony does the fresh lime juice. Like he had to buy a new squeezer. So his hand didn't cramp up. So I you mean, roll them, you roll them and make them warm and then you squeeze. That's the secret. Well, you could tell Tony that I don't make my own margaritas. Okay. Um, but um, we're this one is, as April pointed out, a question that we we get a lot because it feels in at first like small. It feels uh-huh. like hey, I'm going after a few, and really, what benefit is that going to provide to me? And what me and April always say back to them, it's like, well, if you think you don't need to focus on it, then you're really basically saying that you don't care about referrals and recos for future business, right? Because that's all word of mouth. Being able to, to do all those things that we have mentioned already in our four points in, in order to generate word of mouth, like um, creating or, or giving people something compelling to talk about, um, exceeding expectations, all of these things are what keeps you top of mind. And so if you find this irrelevant, then you're really saying, okay, well, I don't really care if I get referrals on my business, which if that's really your positioning, then you're probably not going to be in business for very long. <laughs> um, so this is all about you know developing your impact, all right? This is all about deciding how you are going to really become unforgettable. One of the ways in which to do this and and really think about whether it's worth it is having credible reach. So credible reach will deliver higher conversion versus just mass reach. So really Digging in and getting to those people that really care about what you're talking about versus, you know, we've made the reference before of just putting impressions out there and then having, you know, impressions that really don't matter to you. So, I mean... When you think about some of the metrics we have here, like Nielsen will say 92% of people trust recommendations from friends and family over any other type of advertising, or 74% of consumers identify word of mouth as a key influencer in their purchasing decision. All of this shows you the value of word of mouth. And to Anne's point, if you think that that's not important, you're kind of turning off a really key way to get people into your funnel, if you will. I mean, I think about how many times you're looking for a new person to have your hair done or a new doctor or, you know, you have kids for the first time and you need recommendations on what they should get or, you know, you you want to try out a new sport and you don't know where to start. I mean, people start with people they know or groups that they're part of that they trust. And so this whole piece about word of mouth and is, is the juice worth the squeeze, we say absolutely. And it's because people make human decisions based on other humans. Right. And and there's definitely ways of making it more efficient. Like, Sue, so I mean, we were talking about the platforms too. 
I, I find that a much more efficient way of being able to generate word of mouth because you have already, like you said, in, in April said, that group of like-minded individuals that are already engaging with you, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Everyone has an audience. You know, where is that audience and are you leveraging, are you leveraging that opportunity to have that audience engage and, and, and drive word of mouth for you? So we say it's this army, as I talked about earlier, this army of unpaid advocates, and it's about reaching their friends, their followers, and their networks, and it will be more authentic because they're telling their stories and their experiences with your brands and services. So instead of the brand pushing their message out, it's coming from those community members. And if you can do it right and do it at scale, you're talking about being able to tap into them unlimited times, you know, without some crazy algorithm, like we talked about earlier, suppressing your content or your posts or your data. So it can be a really efficient way to, to drive word of mouth. And then, of course, you can track and measure it that way as well. Well, and I think you inherently just look at it differently, too, right? So if it's coming from someone that you know isn't working for the brand, I think you're open to a lot more of it mm-hmm. than you are when it's like, oh, 20% off from this brand for the fifth time this week, you know, or whatever mm-hmm. the case might be. You start to see those things. And because you're like-minded and because it isn't the brand pushing out the message, you're open to a lot more. I mean, I just noticed myself, you know, and I'm not even in any of these dedicated communities, but it's like if it's coming from the people that I believe in, that I'm constantly clicking or opening or wanting to see more versus when it's the brand pushing on me. Yeah, I think that's right. And, And there's more to it than just the one lens. Yes, Right. So there's multiple lenses of, of, of interesting content and engagement in, in you know, discussion that's going on that kind of creates the, the impetus for continuing to come back too. So yeah. all right. Our next in the trenches questions, how effective are PR stunts in creating word of mouth? And I'll take this one because you guys all know how I feel about PR stunts. As I said, um, I think stunt is a five-letter, four-letter word. So um, <laughs> used to Anne say. believes they are so very effective. Oh, let me my just, Lord. Let me just steal her thunder here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Unless you're um, Sir Richard Branson, you have really like a less than a 1% chance, it even might be smaller of that, of creating compelling word-of-mouth marketing from a stunt <laughs> that actually systemically drives your business and your brand. You may get a lot of like interest in the moment, mm-hmm. um, but you'll probably spend a lot of money um, in doing it, and it won't be something that people remember long-term. Now, you can develop over-the-top experiences and spectacular moments that people may remember if you do a good job of intrinsically tying it back to your brand. And we gave a lot of examples about that in the first section when we were talking about the experiences that we remember and what keeps us coming back to these brands. So there is a way of doing that without having to get gimmicky in order to grab people's attention. Now, the other example I love to give is about Super Bowl. I, I, I call the Super Bowl. It's like, it's like the stunt of, of advertising, really. And this is where a lot of people fall into the trap, too, um, because they will invest a lot of money in creating a Super Bowl ad that then nobody remembers the next day. I, I think one of my favorite ones, we talked about this one before, was a little kid dressed up in the Darth Vader mm-hmm. who was able to start the car. But for the love of me, I cannot figure out no. what car company that was. Um, the latest Super Bowl, there was about, what, 10 ads, feel-good ads yep. about, you know, the evolution of the world. And I, I, I cannot remember even one of the brands that, you know, did those ads. So it's it's really extremely important if you're going to do something that's really big, spectacular, especially if you're putting a lot of money in it, it better be like so 
like intrinsically tied to your brand that people cannot like think of it without thinking about your brand. With Richard Branson, and this is top of mind for me because I just listened to his episode on Masters of Scale, it occurred to me that the reason it works for him is because his brand has become synonymous with stunts, first of all. And so there's that and how many people can really own that, right? One person, which is why you have the metrics of it not working. But also... There are a lot of failed stunts in his in his background. I mean, I can't imagine jumping out of a plane, ramming into a building and bleeding over all the party goers below me. I mean, so you can't say that just because it's synonymous, it works for him. And I think that that's that's really the tricky part about this. Yeah. Sue, any builds on that one? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, when we think about the stunts to your point, and I'll just add to it to the stunts that it's it's short lived, but it's that risk. You know, it's mm-hmm. definitely throwing something up against the wall and hoping it sticks versus having that strategic plan. And you know me, I'm a planner. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's great. All right, our third in the trenches question. We're going to let Sue take this one. And we've covered a few of these points. And Sue, maybe you could put um, a, some finer points on these for um, our listeners. Why would I build a digital community versus just using Facebook? Yeah, and you know, what I love about Facebook how and when it works well is when it's part of an integrated strategy. And that's the same for communities. I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't be building both. And when I talk about why building a community and how Facebook alone doesn't work, it's really about that ownership that we talked about, the data, the relationship, the deeper engagement, and sort of that lasting loyalty. You know, at the end of the day, your brand can create a Facebook group or a Facebook community, but again, you know, they shouldn't be surprised if the content's being suppressed, or they shouldn't be surprised if the consumers don't come back without boosting with media dollars. And I always say, don't, didn't we learn our lesson from 10 years ago? I mean, how brilliant a Facebook to convince all of these brands and marketers to build their audience there only to turn around and charge to access them. Mm-hmm. So we have to keep that in mind that if that is, if you are putting all of your eggs in one basket, that is a risk. And so when we talk about community, it is that control. It's the access to the data and that deeper engagement. But, you know, there certainly is a place for both, both the community and Facebook. Well, and I think you said it's something interesting earlier on too, that, I hadn't totally thought about it through this lens, but people are at a different point in their journey with the brand when they're entering it at Facebook versus when they're becoming part of a community. And so I feel like Facebook, like to your point that you should have both because Facebook, they might experience you for the first time and opt in or out. But when they're joining the community, I mean, the richness and depth and engagement from them in the experience is so heightened, you know, when it works for your brand, it's like, why wouldn't you go ahead and build that too? Yeah, and that's how so many of our communities are using to drive new signups. Mm-hmm. So they'll leverage media and, and dollars in Facebook. They even have a Facebook group and sort of tease out some of that content and say, interested in more, join our community. So it does really become a nice um, entry entry point to building that audience. Mm-hmm. All right, our fourth in the trenches question. It can be hard to get into some of these influencing groups. Told you guys we're going to come back to this. <laughs> How do you suggest we go about this? April, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I mean, we did cover some of this, so we set this one up nicely. So I'll just kind of list off the things we said before, but then there are some additional points to be made here. So um, we talked about, you know, communities being tight and that you have to really do your research and then be authentic 
find the the decision makers in the group and then reach out to them and make sure that they understand why you're reaching out, not just that you want to be part of the group and so that they can see kind of that synergy. So we talked about that and, you know, you finding those right people and then being authentic. But beyond that, um, you know, spend the time to think about what they could get from you being part of the community and then woo them, if you will. That's another one of Anne's terms, um, <laughs> to get them to want to be part of a relationship with you, right? So not just a one-sided, I want to join, but really, okay, you know, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for the community? You know, maybe it's money, maybe it's resources, maybe it's you do something that they don't have in the group. You know, there's currency with everybody. So find theirs, focus on that and do your sale, if you will, will, although soft sell through that method. And then be persistent. You know, it's okay. And we've talked about this in other episodes and topics to reach out multiple times and, you know, um, people are busy. You're not their top priority. So go ahead and, and continue to be persistent, but then don't be pushy. So at some point, you know, you send maybe that breakup message of this is the last time I'm going to reach out, or you just realize like, okay, I've given my five reach outs and I'm not going to continue to pursue this one. You know, you don't want to be annoying because that could get you some bad press real quick. And if we're talking about, you know, an entire influencing group or community, as we've discussed, that's a lot of people to be annoying because you you know it's going to get out there. And then also have several irons in the fire at one time because it can take a while. It can also take a while to find the right ones where what you're offering is going to resonate and that's totally okay. And you know there only may be a selection, a handful of ones that really apply to you. So give it a shot, reach out to a bunch of people, be persistent, but make sure you have a bunch of them on the list so if, you know, your one or two turns you down, you're not feeling horrible and we feel like you'll find your home then that way. Mm-hmm. Those are all really good points. So you have any builds on that? I think you've covered it. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a really good assessment of, of, of everything where it, it this is very relational to and you have to really take that into consideration and make sure that you are maintaining the respect of the fact that these are people first mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that you need to develop a relationship with um, in order to get them to trust you and and, and want to bring you into their group. So um, it does take some time and effort to do that. So don't expect this as a email out and then all of a sudden the next day, oh, yes, we'd love to have you as part of the group. Um, it just does not work that way. So our fifth in the trenches question, once I have a community, how do I best use them, keep them enthusiastic and authentically pay them back for their support? This is all Sue. Sue. (laughs) (laughs) We say here there are four main building blocks to having a successful community. You know, number one, that strong value exchange grounded in emotional ties. That was really everything we talked about in the beginning. Give them that sense of belonging, but make sure they have a great experience. The second is around that data, collecting the actionable insights that'll help what we say future-proof your brand. So really having you ready for what's coming next, whether it's innovation, new launches, competitive intel, but having that constant feedback loop. The third is focusing on the compelling, but also personalized experiences, whether it's the promos that we talked about earlier, or it's sampling, or it's content strategy. Having those personalized experiences will drive the advocacy for your brand. And then the last, the Number four is the cadence of engagement. Mm-hmm. We talk about creating habits, and this is normal human nature, mm-hmm. but 
creating those habits drive excitement through setting expectations of what's next. So on Mondays, you can launch a new discussion every Monday. On Thursdays could be your day you're launching polls. On, on the first of every month, you can launch a new activation. So creating some of those habits and having that cadence will help those members come back time and time again. I've got this great example with veggies made great. So that's a vegetable-based food product, frozen food product. And before having a community, they were using spreadsheets and Instagram to engage their most loyal super fans that they call, and I love this, veg heads. You know, they needed to, I love that. And they needed to give their veg heads a home. You know, they wanted an own channel. So it was becoming difficult to engage their fans, measure it, scale it. So now today they have a community. It's been about a year. They've got tens of thousands of veg heads that are organically sharing about their brand. They're even going into stores and doing campaigns called plant a coupon where they'll stick a coupon on packages of their, of their brand and actually talk to other shoppers. But they really are able to leverage their community members to invite new users into the brand as well. So they're driving new customer acquisition in a really efficient way on top of that advocacy in an efficient way. And they've seen about a 20% increase in sales from their community marketing strategies. So we, we love to use them as an example because they're really using it to the fullest and they're also integrating it with the rest of their strategies. On the other hand, we talk about brands that might have a traditional CRM or loyalty program that might have missed opportunities. And we know email marketing is so powerful, but it can be a one-way message and also might not be personalized enough. And then we talk about the traditional loyalty programs and how effective it is, but it can also be transactional. You know, I love Starbucks. They have one of the strongest loyalty programs, but they've never asked for my feedback and they certainly haven't asked me to advocate. Mm -hmm. So imagine the millions and millions of people going through their drive-throughs daily if they had a way to cultivate that love and turn it into a word-of-mouth program. And that's really what having a community can do. You know, a few years ago, I, I said I signed up for an airline's credit card. And then my next, you know, 12 emails from them is, hey, sign up for a credit card. So that can be frustrating, you know, that that constantly you're talking about the persistent selling and messaging, but it's the wrong messaging. I've already signed up. So, you know, understanding who your customers are and who your consumers are and what products and services they're using and how they're engaging and what level they're at. Are they coming into your brand for the first time or are they someone that's super loyal? Being able to treat them differently is really, really important. And I think those are some of the ingredients that lead to the success of an online community. Well, and Sue, what it, can you give a sense of what's kind of the impetus or the turning point? Like you just talked about veggies made great and the fact that they were trying to get to people through, you know, Instagram and, you know, spreadsheets or whatever the case might be. But what is the turning point or turning points? Is it size? Is it, you know, level of engagement? Is it a kind of a combination of things? When do people start to look like, okay, I have enough advocacy now I should have a community? Yeah, it's such a great, you teed this up so well. We have something on our website. I did it on, on purpose. We've <laughs> <laughs> not even spoken about this. This is brand new. We have something on our website that we just launched called the Readiness Scorecard. And you can go in and actually answer a couple of questions and see if you're ready for a community and see where you're at. And it's typically around the time when you have an audience, whether it's your CRM, your Facebook group, whether it's your Instagram followers or your customer base, 
And you're saying, you know, that there's an opportunity to scale that. And you can't do that with spreadsheets and you can't do that by having a Facebook group alone. So there are times where brands will come to us and we'll say, we're, you're a little bit early. You know, there are times where you're a little bit early and maybe that is when you're starting with a Facebook group, but nine times out of 10, most brands we work with are ready because by the time they come to us, they understand that they've got a strong value proposition. They have a product that delivers, you know, excellence and on their word. And now they need just a way to scale that and turn those super fans or customers into advocates driving that word of mouth. So you can check it out, um, our readiness tool, and just see if you think your brand is ready for a community. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.